Washington. Free and everywhere you get your podcasts. Wisconsin On Demand. 94.5 ESPN. WKTI and WKTI HD. Milwaukee. I'm Mark Robbins. The biggest sports stories of the week. He's not going to leave Jordan Love, the covered bear for Jordan Love. We know that. He's going to look out for his guy. So, uh, Kyle Kyle liked that. That was funny. That was funny. What? I'm serious. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. What would happen if Brian Gutekunst sat up at a press conference and said, I made a mistake. Plus some fun with pop culture. So you had never needed to stop for dinner at Magic City like Lou Williams did? I mean, does anybody actually believe he just he chose that just for dinner? Like, does he think that's working? This is Sunday Karma. The, the yeah. unibrow, like, because I'm kind of like Bert. <laughs> like when, like, if I don't get the, the eyebrows done, I just have one eyebrow pretty much. <laughs> But since COVID, I haven't had any of that. Broadcasting live from the AmFam Championship at University Ridge. With Gabe Neitzel, here's Emmy Award winner Homer. I'm leading the show off? Yeah! I'm just filling in with you! I'm just Uh, filling in too. We're just hanging out, having a good time at the American Family Insurance Championship. Final round. Who are you? If I'm leading... But, I mean, Craig is one person, but it takes uh, two people to replace right. the one, apparently. Okay. Like, it was easier when it used to be Craig and Chewy, because then somebody could be Craig, somebody could be Chewy, but now Craig just kind of does the show. Well, I mean, I'm... Kyle's involved. Kyle's still, you know, helping us out back at the one call. That's all Gruber right. Watson Studios. No, that's good. I'm happy to be here. I, I just assumed I was the backup, and but that... Whatever no, it is, you're the I'm, man. I'm fired up because I just went to uh, see Andy North, asked him if he'd come on the show. He said no. Well, he doesn't tee off for 55 minutes. Come on. Yeah, he's uh, he's at 10:55. Then I I lied to him. What'd you lie? I said I just want to let you know. I bet 10 grand you're going to shoot two under par. He didn't even chuckle or smile or. Um, well, I mean that's. I mean, three under would be the the next logical number. Shot seventy nine right. on Friday. Shot seventy four yeah. yesterday. So five shot improvement would be sixty nine. Yeah. That's three under. No, I think I think he's going to shoot. Uh, I think he's going to shoot two under par. Um, I'm amazed he's playing. Uh, I haven't asked him specifically, but it was I think his wife Sue that said he's now played in six decades. Wow, and that was part of it. And his caddy came, but he's never played and. Uh, I'm sure he's been practicing like hell because he doesn't want to embarrass himself. But uh, I think that uh, I would think he would consider it a plus. He would be pleased if the last round he shot par or better. Not to mention the course, I think, is probably playing harder than it ever has for any year. I can't remember all the years. Well, it's got to be because it's, it's so, so dry. Fun. Yeah. And the, 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 uh, the greens are hard and lightning fast. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of hard right. to hold anything. So right. like a front pin location, you're yeah. probably going to end up past the pin and you're coming back down a hill. Right. Good luck. And then the fairways are hard enough that the ball's going to run through the fairways some. I mean, it's always a great place, but so I think he probably picked a tough year, but uh, he, he just never plays. So for him to agree to this, my assumption is, not that I didn't know this, but that he really, really, really loves his wife because there's no way... Anybody else, I think. I'm not even sure if Jack Nicholas asked him to play, if he would have agreed to do it, uh, unless he was playing with Jack. Well, his 74 yesterday beat people like I know uh, Tom Lehman, yep. Scott McCarron, yep. uh, just one shot off of Alex Cheka, Larry Mize. I mean, these are guys that play on a regular basis. Vijay Singh 
shot yeah. a 75 yesterday. Yep. Uh, Fred Funk shot a 75 yesterday. Kirk Triplett also shot a 74. Esteban Toledo shot 76. I mean, so there are a number of players that his 74 was better than yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll get him on afterwards. Not today, I mean, but sometime. Then I'll ask him. But, yeah, I think he uh, – I don't think he'd have to go two under par, but I think I think he wants par better. Today. Seventy-one, yeah, yeah. Seventy-one seems like a realistic goal to reach. Yeah, and I mean, I looked at the scores, and he was back to. Um, I think he made two birdies, both on the par fives, but he just, you know, only had a couple bogeys. It's, um, you know, he's the greatest par golf player, or one of the greatest. Oh ever. yeah, two U.S. Opens. Yeah, won two U.S. Opens, uh, and I didn't realize that. He finished third or fourth in the PGA one year, and then he was, I think, eighth or nine. I mean, he, he had more top ten finishes. But, yeah, the two years he won the U.S. Open, he shot 74 the last day. The both U.S. Opens he won, he made bogey on the last hole. Um, <laughs> and and he, that's all he had to make. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he um, – but, yeah, he hasn't – I don't uh, – he plays in that tournament sometimes where it's a two-man like, uh, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll play some of like, the Legends events, which right. are like unofficial tour events, right. not shank sanctioned tour events. And he's won like events. five or six of those, so it, it must be you're playing best ball. Yeah. So I think when he has the comfort of not knowing he has to be consistent on every hole, he can still... Yeah, I mean, he's been such a big part of this event as well, being a part of the Celebrity right. Foursome every year that this was. But with no Celebrity Foursome this year, which they're hoping to have back They'll in 2022, have um, you know, I'm yeah. sure he'll be a part of that and, and still be a part yeah, of that. I don't know the last time he played a tournament. An individual uh, Stroke play I have no idea. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, uh, hopefully he'll come by here before 10.55 is tee off. <laughs> the answer to that is no. Um, but come on. I didn't even – he had that look of – Focus, so I didn't even say, come on. He acted like he thought the suggestion was outrageous. Outrageous, yes. Like He didn't want to be rude and I go. Can, I, be like, look, I can like, see the look he gave. I, can, yes, I think I can picture yeah. it. Yeah, there was no look. It's like, I might as well have said I just saw a Martian and there's a <laughs> unicorn up the street. Just a straight-up dismissal. Just dismissal. Yeah, he's got, uh, I mean, it starts at 1055. So he's, uh, he's uh, out there an hour earlier hitting some balls. He was talking to Jerry Kelly, who this is of note. You may have been aware of this, but the way they set it up where they're teeing off on 10 at exactly the same time as the leaders are teeing off on 1. Mm -hmm. And the premise, because nobody ever does this, a PGA event, the people that were he is are the first ones to tee off. But this way it allows uh, everybody to not have to tee off before 9 o'clock. Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, nobody's watching uh, ooh, Tim Heron. He almost he almost won a PGA event last week. Or, no, no, it was the senior event last yeah. week where he just took a dive at the end. Now he's 74-77 uh, for Tim yeah, Heron this week. Yeah, uh, Andy North could beat him. He's two shots back. Um, uh, so so there, nobody's going to be watching them because all the people. But you still, it means that they don't have to get Otherwise, they'd be getting up at... Yeah, oh, they'd yeah. be playing off. They'd be playing at seven a.m. 
Well, plus this, I mean, they do this mostly for TV because the TV window is 2 to 4 on, oh, okay. on Golf Channel. So if, if your TV window is 2 to 4, you want to make sure you've got your leaders, which are Miguel Angel Jimenez, and then Fred Couples is one back. Retief Goosen in the final group. He's in a group at 8 under par along with Jay Haas, Jim Fier, uh, and Jerry Kelly. Yeah, I wouldn't but bet against Jerry at, Kelly here. They're at 10.50, but that way you know that that two-hour window, you're going to have your leaders on the back nine. Right. And then you can also cut away and, and right. have the other things going on as well. But it's it's all it's all for TV. And plus, I mean, you know, you have the leaders teeing off by 11. If you want to come out here and watch some golf today, you watch some golf and still get home in plenty of time. It's not going to be a long day here. You know, where you're waiting all day for somebody to tee off around 1 or 2 nah. o'clock. Everybody just wants to get to the group at 17. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because the average... And granted, it's really reasonably early in the day, but those are professionals at 17. Yeah, they, I mean, the, they, they don't have the beer garden this year, but it's going to. They want to build up 17, and I think they're going to continue to build up 17 oh, yeah. starting next year. Yes, um, I mean it's just a fabulous. It's just like at uh, where is it in? Uh, oh, at uh, 16 at Scottsdale. Yes, at at uh, in, right. in Arizona. Yeah. The, the no, this is waste I mean, management Phoenix Open for people that watch the Golf Channel. I don't watch it that much, but you'll go through it. And like at at, at Des Moines last week, there were nine people watching um, the top groups. I mean, this the the for the players. We actually asked John Daly, "Is this the best one in terms of crowds?" He said, "This one or Houston? They're the top two. Yeah. Well, they've and this year with the money that they give out, this is the highest. Right. Um, this is the biggest purse that they play for on the, the PGA Tour champions other than the major events. So they have five majors every year. Those are higher purses. But just a regular Champions Tour event, this is the highest payout. And I would say that if they lowered it and they were just average, I think you would still get a ton of players here. Well, for a number of reasons. I think it goes to the crowds, which, yes. again, they've capped this year just because they had to. Um, but the crowds have been fantastic. Everybody has supported this event. And I think it says a lot of the respect that people have for Steve Stricker, who is the host of the event. Yeah. And, and Steve's ability to kind of recruit some of these folks. Yeah, and uh, these guys are all pros. They like crowds. Oh, yeah. I mean, you watch a golf show. There are some senior events that there just aren't that many people there. No. And... I'm not sure, I've said this, uh, that I'm not sure that GMO ever, maybe one year, when, if a Greg Norman was there, or Tiger yeah, was there. Yeah, when but, Tiger was there. But in terms of the overall energy, this is just, just beat the GMO. They talk about going to Milwaukee, and maybe AmFam would do it. I'm clearly not in that, uh, that level. But there's, they've never, in, in Milwaukee, in my memory, all the years I was there, ever created the energy they've had at this event. I mean, this is not maybe this year, but let's say before COVID, half the people you could you could say, who's the leader? I don't care. This oh, yeah. is just one great party, event, everything about it created incredible energy. And I think the crowds have been great here still. Yes. I mean, again, it's, it's not what they really hope for, but because we're still, you know, just working the way out of the pandemic, the way they had to plan everything, this is the way it's going to be for this year. And I have no doubt that that energy that you speak of is going to be back in full force, if not bigger and better next year. Yeah, the energy's probably still here, like you say, is normal. It's just fewer people. Yeah. But, yeah, the Madison loved this. They just loved the whole concept. And I don't know what their expectations were initially. I think they were, but... So but, uh, they had they you know the first year they had to go whoa 
So we, uh, yesterday when Stephen Watson and I did On the Tee, we talked with um, Jim Buheim, who is one of the, the, the you know, guys at, at AmFam. And when they started the event, because there's such a big charitable aspect to this, in their first five years they've raised $10 million for all the different charitable aspects that this uh, golf tournament funds. And, you know, when they started talking with the Champions Tour, they said, hey, our goal is we want to raise $500,000 for charity. Right. And the Champions Tour is like, ah, your first year, I don't know. Like, that seems like a really aggressive number. And they raised a million bucks. And then they've been pretty much $2 million just about every year. And last year, instead of the $3 million that American Family Insurance usually has for this event, because there was no event, they just donated that to the charities that are benefited by this event. So they've raised $10 million in their first 10 years, or excuse me, $10 million in their first five years of this event's existence. So it's been unbelievable the support, not just showing up, but the financial support. And, and Homer, we've done so many events, so many shows in our past where we're at golf tournaments. You know, everybody's got a, a charitable golf tournament, you know, scramble, what have you, on a Monday. Right. And the amount of generosity of the people of this state, it never ceases to amaze, which is why this event has been so successful. One of our own hosts this event, and so many of these people, you know, he gets Andy North involved and Jerry Kelly involved, and, and I feel that, especially in a scenario, once, once one of your own starts doing yeah. something great, people want to get behind it and support it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm guessing that if we went to the majority of the other champion tour events, is what they call it now, right? Yeah, PGA Tour everybody the first, At the meeting, the first question is, why can't, be we, like, why can't we be like Madison? Why, why can't we be like that? All right, well, for all the reasons that you said. Well, and, and as they look to make this thing bigger and better, uh, they said yesterday that they don't look at Champions Tour events. They look at PGA I Tour events. Regular PGA Tour yeah. events is what they are basing off of what they do here versus other Champions Tour events. No, it's, uh, it's awesome. Everybody deserves the credit, and there's no, there's no way to be able to say, well, it can't get bigger than this because... Every year it gets bigger, it's, and you will assume, as you did, I think correctly, that you know that next year it's going to be... Next year's going to be big. Yes. I've, I, I've got a feeling next year's going to be really big. We will break... What is the, what's the out cue for... Uh, uh, Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. I mean, if you just say next, I think Kyle knows what's up. I mean, we... No, I, I want to <laughs> adhere to the... Okay. Right? I'm Mo. <laughs> next. <laughs> You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. This is Homer along with Gabe Nitzel. It takes two of us to equal... Craig Carmenson, who's probably prepping right now for the Bucks game against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Gabe, you can explain this. The, the Bucks are down two games to none. Yep. And they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yep. They win the game. Yep. And now they're a one-and-a-half-point underdog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how they were favored in game three. Sense to me. Well, we call it a lock because both – Las Vegas and Jason Wilde picked the Bucks. Of course, Jason avoids picking anything. Yeah. So Man, Jason said, picked this the Bucks? one's over. Uh, unfortunately for those Bucks fans that are gamblers, they were a three and a half point favorite. So there, uh, those Bucks fans are irritated 
saying even when they win, they lose. Um, but I think I'm expecting the Bucks to be just so much more confident. They've just holiday has seemed they're, they're just they just don't just don't now now they know we might even win if we don't score that many points. Like we can. And that doesn't mean we're going to. Sure, but I think they should be relaxed. I expect this to be a higher score, a high-scoring game on both teams. Now they may, Brooklyn may still score too many points, but I just sure. expect to see a much more relaxed. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know what the solution to this is. Um, I don't know if it's just running Miller pick and roll, but I mean they scored 86 points and they lost by 39, and then right. they score 86 points and win. I just can't. I can't make it make sense, and you can't expect a talented offensive team like Brooklyn to have both KD and Kyrie shoot as poorly as they did in game three. No, the, 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 this happens sometimes when a player from Marquette will do really well in the opposing team. What's the deal? They go, uh, you should know Marquette fans are more surprised than you are. Bucks fans were more surprised at what happened to the Nets, even more so than the Nets fans, because we've seen San Antonio score 150 points. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have thought they could have held anybody. To that number of points, sure. anybody on any night, uh, it probably what was it the low of any team? What any team scored on the Bucks this, uh, year? this season? It could be. Yeah. I, mean, I guess I, that that thought never even crossed my mind. But it's, um, <laughs> I like what they do defensively. But yeah, holding somebody in eighty is just... no. They, I mean, they, they don't win the game without Tucker. And I thought the officials were also part of it. They it was as if they didn't have a whistle. And I'm not saying the Bucks. They just let them beat the crap oh, yeah. out of each other the whole game. Uh, you know, uh, I have stated uh, on my one call that's all in which I'm old for whatever. I've never gotten one right. Oh, no. That there'll be 40 free throws in this game. There's no way the officials. Now, I could be wrong on that because if the Bucks keep it close, they'd like the Bucks to win and make it a game five. Oh, make it a series, yes. yeah. And my view on officiating in the NBA has always been you have to approve, as a home team, you have to prove you're worthy of a slight edge. If you're down 20 at the first quarter, you know, in the yeah. first half, you're not going to get much. But uh, I think T- Tucker makes the difference because he just uh, – There's a certain toughness about him. Well, yeah, Tony just says – I said, you got to talk to him. Like, and that is like, just don't do stupid stuff. Just guard him. Don't taunt him. Don't get Durant mad at you. Just do what you do. Make his life as tough as possible. You know, he shot – at one point he was, what, 5 for 20 or 5 for 16? Yeah. I mean – and that at least they have the potential to make it a little more difficult for him to score. But I'm afraid they're going to call fouls, and I don't know how long. If he starts getting a little bit more, if he's as physical as he was with right. him in game four and the whistle starts being not generous, yeah. then... So Tony's point was, be as tough as you want. Don't be stupid tough. Don't look for a fight tough because you're only going to irritate Durant. So have somebody else do that. You just focus on doing your business and making it a little tougher for KD to score. But I didn't mind the chippiness that happened, even the event that now led to KD's personal bodyguard not being able to work events in Milwaukee and not being on the floor in Brooklyn going forward in this series. I didn't mind that because it also woke the crowd up a little bit. Oh, I loved it. I said after the first quarter, this is over. The Bucks are winning. Like, what? No, I've never seen them play like that as a team. Tough, chippy. Yeah, everybody was that way. They were just... Or pushing through screens, I I don't know that they can do that every game. But I and it wasn't just how well they're playing defensively. It was just the team. It was approach. an attitude. Yeah. Yes, everybody was doing it, and it may be that that's the only way they can beat Brooklyn. At least that's what you heard people saying. Like Brooklyn's always kind of I don't want to say soft, but and I don't know that that's true. But there's not a person alive 
that thought the Bucks were going to win a game at that score. No, I think the. I mean, if they're going to win today, they're going to have to ugly it up again. But they still need their top three to be more they efficient. It. They're going to still have to be at 100, 110. Oh yeah, not. you got, you need Drew Holiday to be right. just Drew Holiday just needs to be better. Period. Offensively, why? What is his problem? I have and no yet idea. I give him credit, despite the fact that he just. He seems too passive, and yet at the end of the game, that was the Drew I like. Yeah. Oh, it's, I don't know. It was open. I just made the layup. Well, there doesn't seem to be that. Well, especially because you have Kyrie Irving on you. Like, he should, abu- he should abuse Kyrie Irving when Kyrie's the main defender on him. Yes. That he should, because Kyrie's right. just not a good defender. Right. And, and Drew, I think, can do a number of things. He can get by him. He can back right. him down because he's bigger. He's more he, physical. It doesn't seem like he wants to. Yeah, I'm not sure. And, I mean, Chris and, and Giannis were more aggressive. But even right. that, I mean, as great as Chris was, like, he can be more efficient. Like, right. he didn't, both him and Giannis didn't have great shooting nights. Obviously, Giannis was hampered by the one of eight shooting from three. Um, but they just need to be more efficient from those three yeah. and get more contributions out of the, right. out of the role I mean, players. I would say to, to, to uh, Holiday, I need, we need 26. We need 30. Go get 30. Just go get it. Yeah. I don't think he's going to make terrible decisions. That's not who he is. Phil was like talking to Jimmy Butler. I need you to miss more shots. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, you pass up on a shot that after a pass or two, we get a worse shot than the one you gave up. And that's one of the things I'm hoping that that Holiday, the Holiday we all know and think, yeah. take over. Well, and hope, again, hopefully that the, the, the bucket the, that put yes. them ahead, hopefully yes. that triggers something in him because, he, I mean, it was – like you said, he was everything. He took over. He crosses half court, has right. a hesitation. Next thing you know, he, he changes gears. And he didn't overthink it when they asked him. Yeah, this guy was guarding me, and they just kind of left it open. And so I went to the basket and laid it up and in. Like, I'm like you. I'd like to see him wear down Kyrie Irving. Because that's going to help you out on the other end correct. as well. Yes. So I feel like, like we all think you're better than you do. But he, he just hasn't seemed confident or... I don't know what the word is. You you feel exactly the same yeah, way. Yeah, I don't know if confident, yeah, but I, I would say just more passive, and maybe that is lack right. of confidence. Maybe we're just splitting the finest of hairs well, no, there. No, there's a point in the game when we think we should be able to say, he's taking over. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. no point other than that one shot where you felt that. Correct. So, And that's what they got him for. I mean, he's, he, he still does all the things you like in terms of better defensively, but I like the concept of him, you know, Clearing out and just letting him back down and well, but work I, on Kyrie Irving. But that's the other thing. Like I think the Bucks have gone way too much ISO. I, which they, I agree totally. They, they've is. gone way too much ISO. I understand the thought initially of, hey, we get some matchups. We can go in the series coming into the series. Right? Because right. I like the matchup of of Drew Holiday versus Kyrie Irving. So I love the matchup of Giannis versus Blake Griffin. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is, that hasn't worked. So now you just can't keep going, hey, these matchups are good. This should be good. They're not working. you got to try something different. Plus, we know ISO in the NBA for Michael Jordan. You run your plays. Yep. When you get down to eight, then go ISO. Then you go ISO to that person. But prior to that, you can do various things to get the shot that you're talking about. The biggest difference between the Bucks of the regular season and the Bucks of this, so they won the game, and granted they only had you know 86 points or whatever, only made 34 shots. They had 12 assists. No. 12 assists no. as a team. Right. As no, a team. you just said it. They're starting ISO literally yeah. at 24. Yeah. You start ISO 
I mean, this is the great complaint about the triangle offense. Yeah, right, triangle offense, fine, yeah. Up until there are eight seconds left, then you give it to Jordan, and he scores. What percentage of their points or what greatness was the result of the final eight? I think it's probably a combination of the two, to be fair. But that's you don't see that. No. No, and the few times that they decide to run a set or run a right. pick and roll. Right. Like how many times have you watched the Bucks in this series run pick and roll and get a really good shot? 90% of the time? Right. Like yeah. we're Giannis the screener because the guy's well, not coming then, out. And then if you try it and you don't get it, you can still go to ISO yep. with eight seconds left. Correct. So it, there's been more uh, negativity about Bud in this series than I can remember Uh by people watching it when I, I would have expected generally when this happens, you blame the best player for not being better. Yeah. It's like Giannis is good, but he has limitations in half court, big situations late in game. So I'm willing to give Bud a pass for the first three, and maybe I'm being too generous. I'm willing because, again, you should like, you should like Giannis it versus o- Blake Griffin. It only matters if you're an owner. but Correct. <laughs> yes. and, and you should like Drew Holiday versus Kyrie. Like These right. are good matchups for you. For whatever reason, they haven't come to fruition the first three you got to change something if you want to stay alive in this series. This is, to me, a huge game for the Bucks and what they do. If it's more of the same from what we've seen in the first three series, then this series is it's done. It's over. They're showing up. They're coming up. The AmFam Golf. We're at University Ridge. Uh, he's so big Mo, Craig Karmazin. I'm Homer with Gabe. The two of us are trying to fill his spot. Jason Wildy. Next. Oh, he's going to be fired up. Oh, baby, he's going to be fired up. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. I can't wait. There are times every day I like to listen to Jason Wilde, but today, a special Sunday with Jason Wilde on the latest comments of Packer President Mark Murphy. And as I even mentioned that, Gabe just kind of turns his head. (laughs) Good morning, Jason. Good morning, guys. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm awesome with the chance to talk to you and to hear you talk. Actually, that's what I want. Yeah. um, So, by the way, before we get started, I saw Andy North went from a 79 to a 74 yesterday. So... Uh, let's get let's get him down to a sixty nine today. Everything will be awesome. Yeah, I, uh, right, you were ahead. not listening, but I mentioned that before we went on the air. I went down to Andy and said, uh, Andy, just want to let you know, I bet ten grand that you'll shoot two under par. Uh, he was not the slightest <laughs> bit amused. He seemed pretty serious and focused. Uh, and then I said, uh, Oh, and one other thing. Man. He's no doubt about it, yes. And I said, can you come up and uh, do an interview on the show? We start at 10. <laughs> and there, there, he kind of looked, but he just kind of kept walking over to hit you a few rain balls. You are a beaut. I took that as a no. <laughs> come on, you got 55 minutes. So you're going to hit you're three amazing. less wedges. 
But um, I, yes, I so, think he's focused. So, uh, I think we were talking about this. I think he will be happy with par or better. I think he wants to. Well, you said Gabe, he wants at to the shoot rate his he age. shot. He, that was his goal. He wants to shoot his age, and he is not yet. Oh, done, okay. So. See, you're, that's why you're a better interviewer. Uh, that, that'd be one under. I'm He's sure 71, that was, right? I've got right? that out of him, yeah. Isn't he 71? Um, so, I think he is. Yeah. yeah. He is 71, correct. So um, I have. I think we need to start with the fact that you and I, I don't want to say arch enemies or rivals or anything like that, because you know I love you even with your quirkiness and all the times that you're wrong and won't admit it. So I said, I love you, but yeah. the definition <laughs> of a Jason Wilde. <laughs> Yes, I I lived that my youth from girls who said I like you, but <laughs> no, so I, I never I'm, said but. I said even though that's different. Uh, yeah, all right, all right, there we yes. go. Yes, oh, oh, very totally, different. Totally different. Yes, <laughs> very different. Yes, in, in, in spite of the fact, also would have worked there. But you and I yep. agreed last night. We agreed yep, on we something, totally. and that should lead my appearance. No. What did you guys agree on, Jason? I I did not see this. It was uh, well. It was a tweet from Crazy Uncle Homer, and then I responded. No, via start text with to... your tweet. Now your tweet, because you hit a point of frustration that happens periodically on Twitter, and that's. Um, I here's Jason. We'll let you be the judge, because Gabe, I know get a better chance with you than Tony. <laughs> I cannot get over the fact that there are people I respect, used to respect, classic Ooh. Jason who can't see what's problematic about some of the things the Packers team president says publicly. I feel like they were smarter, more nuanced than that. Time to log off. Enjoy your Saturday at all. Now, I didn't see that. Nine hours later when I saw it, <laughs> I responded. Every, everything, everything's very much on brand so far. Continue. Right. This is not a nuance. This is fact. It is a battle between two people, Rodgers and Murphy, more and more obvious every day. Goody has talked about too much, and Murphy has been talked about enough. He's the man. He knows he's the man. And how is 12 going to take that? Next. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. One of the great teases ever (laughs) to give Jason time to comment on the back-to-back tweets that occurred regarding... Mark yeah, Murphy. Hi guys. Yeah. Uh, yes. How, how you doing? All right. So, a couple things. First of all, obviously, I don't agree with everything Homer said there because that rarely happens. But in a subsequent text message, your right. point, I believe, was that this doesn't. Well, really I'll read. Affect. I'll read that. But that was our oh, personal great. communication. Do you? Well, you want to read yours or not? Well, so just a reenactment of Homer and Jason's yeah, conversation. Yeah, Tausch teases me all the time for reading on the radio, so now it's a great role for me to to continue that. But he said, "But well, something that you stole I, from Homer." Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, so I I texted Homer after this tweet and I said, "You do understand why him saying what he did is an issue, right?" 
It's a bunch of people inside the building that are irritated and think he's made matters worse by stepping in it all the time with what comes out of his mouth. And Homer's response was, I get it totally, but it doesn't make anything worse unless the executive committee is mad. Roger's situation is the same. (laughs) Whether Murphy is an idiot or not, I don't understand how you can write in your column that the less said publicly the better and then you can't stop talking that's the first thing you jason not even just stop talking about it but literally the first thing that happens when you appear publicly after less than a week than writing that in your column you comment on it publicly calling him a complicated fella and i know a lot of people are getting hung up on the complicated fella part is complicated fella a euphemism for pain in the ass probably yeah is aaron Rodgers complicated about it it's a euphemism is, is Aaron Rodgers complicated, and is Murphy probably tired of this? And, and is it a pain in the ass? Probably. But th- you can't be the leader of an organization, say, we shouldn't talk about this publicly, and then have the first thing you do is comment on publicly. Like, the, the, the hypocrite, just, it's, I can't believe that I saw this, and I also can't believe that other people don't see why this is an issue. That And that was exactly my exasperation it is as plain to me as you just you did a better job of articulating it than i did frankly so that frustrates me it also look there's another let us make sure given that not everybody heard it give us the exact specifics of what was said and when it was said it was thursday night i believe am i correct it was you are correct yes and so take it from there and and let's let's all right. Let's take it from the top. Um, I, I I don't I don't know. Let me let me start here. I don't know if he. I don't want to say is smart enough. I, I don't I don't think that's the phrase I want. Um, but I don't know if he's calculated enough to be doing this on purpose. Like I I don't. But but his quotes at this event. I'm often reminded of Ted Thompson, as most of you know, just a great general manager, passed away. Ted often talked about Aaron that he's a, and it wasn't just Aaron, a lot of different players, he would say he's a complicated fella. So I'll just say that, Murphy said. Now, all right, here, uh, here are my problems with that. Because, first of all, I had folks saying, well, isn't being complicated a, a compliment? Isn't it better than being called a simpleton? Sure. I do believe that that is meant to be it, that the connotation of the way it's being used, which again, folks that don't want to try and use context clues and think about things at a greater level can just say, well, complicated is not a bad thing. I'd rather be complicated than simple. But the connotation there is he's difficult. There's no doubt about that. You can't you can't possibly be an intelligent human being and try to argue that he's not implying that he's di- that Rogers is difficult. Secondly, I joined that club to, too. To use a, a a quote from a historically private person who never called Aaron Rodgers complicated in public ever, and is now dead and cannot explain the context of it is fundamentally wrong. That is wrong what he did. Period. I, I'm in you that club, too, 
But he did say like other players. He he threw in. He tried to cover his tracks. Yes. But he was too late. shows consciousness of guilt, as they say on Law & Order. But Aaron's not the only player who's complicated. No, no, no. Just be quiet. Now, All right, what I Jason, let me interject on. for just one. Let me interject with one thing that I okay. want to ask you. Yeah. Because yeah. what's yeah. special yeah. to me about this is that the guy that not much focus has been on is Mark Murphy. And so that to me, does this nobody really knows him. Does this explain a little bit what he's like? Because I've said from the beginning, he's the man in charge in terms of trading, whatever. Do we not? Are we not learning more about Mark Murphy? And is that not important to understanding the situation that's going on with Rodgers? Or maybe it wasn't, and yeah. now it seems more. Take so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess a couple things. One, I'm not learning anything new about Mark Murphy, but the public might be. Oh, okay? oh. Like, I, we could use that. I mean, put that on Twitter. No, Do you want to elaborate that on, on that? So there was an instance you- where we did – we did a uh, the annual uh, meeting where we talk about their finances, and I made some comment about you know uh, fans and how they felt about something. And he offhandedly, we were on the record; it was a whole group, and he made an offhanded comment of fans are always going to complain. I'm not really worried about what they think, or something to that effect. And, I mean, I'd have to go back into my notes. This is like four or five years ago. But, again, it demonstrated a looseness of his lips that if I was the type of reporter that was a gotcha reporter, I would have, I would have embarrassed him publicly with it, completely. And so, and if he doesn't like what I'm saying now, I will bring that story and others back up because he doesn't engage his brain sufficiently before he says things he's the he's the anti rogers like rogers thinks about everything he says before he says it not like not like in a way where he has to plan it out but like his brain processes information and thoughts extremely effectively so he thinks before he speaks and then, you know, you look at what he said on Kenny Maine. That was incredibly well thought out, but it didn't come off as rehearsed. Right? Can we agree on that? Yes. So Murphy's yep. the antithesis of that. Like, he, he just, he speaks without considering, and this is, the history is littered with these examples. Like, I have four or five of them in my own interactions with him where he said stuff, and I was just like, I can't. Uh, did did you really just say it? You, you realize we're on the record, right? And again, maybe I should have embarrassed them, but it didn't it didn't move the narrative of whatever story I was working on at the time forward. So, Jason, so there was is no it fair point. to say he doesn't care? I'm the president. I can do whatever I want. I don't so. think so. I don't think so. Oh, right. Again, I all don't right. think it's like, you know, I'm going to say whatever the hell I want because I'm the, I'm the boss. I think it's I'm going to say things that I don't think through and – then afterward, there's look, I can tell you there are people in the building who, after he said this, were cringing and worried. I don't know what kind of event this was. NBC 26, kudos to them. They were the ones who had this story. I, I don't know what this event was. I was in Madison getting ready for the AmFam 
on Thursday night. I saw it Friday, and then I shared it, and it kind of went viral after that from a lot of people, not because of me. And I, I, I don't know what the context was, but I know that there were people in the building who were hoping that this wouldn't come to light because it makes him – here's what – Here's what Aaron Rodgers should feel about this. I know I'm jumping all over the place. Aaron Rodgers should be thrilled that he said this. Do you know why? Because it illustrates everything he's talking about, about people and communication and how you treat people. The fact that the guy wrote in his column that the Aaron Rodgers situation, the situation with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base, that is self-evident. The point is that you said it with, again, the connotation that Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. Whether he aware, is aware of that or not, that is what the connotation with it was there. So, again, not only is he going against what he has said we should not do, the less said publicly, the better. There have now been the column and now this appearance where he not only said things, but said things that carry a negative connotation. But, again, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, A, is surprised by this. He's well aware of Mark Murphy's leadership skills. And secondly, I think he should be really happy because if people ask him, what do you mean by cultural issues or or leadership problems or how people are treated? This is a very clear, evident, obvious, public example of what he is talking about. Why? It's not about whether or not it's accurate. It's about whether or not it's necessary and why he felt the need to do this is just beyond me. And then for people to make excuses for him, people to say, well, he's just quoting Ted Thompson. That, I'm sorry, that gets me really irritated. Not only do I think it's wrong to quote Ted Thompson, something said privately by someone who's not here to explain anything further, but that's like a cop-out of, well, it's not really me saying it. It's Ted Thompson saying it. That's like asking a, a player a question that you don't want him to get mad at you for. And you say, well, a lot of people think that you're not playing very well. What do you say to that? But have some guts and own it. You know, you're not playing very well right now. I think you would probably agree with that. What's your frustration level? And how do you get things turned around? Two totally different questions, same intent. But one, you actually take ownership of it. The other one, you try and blame other people so you don't look like you're the bad guy. That's what Mark Murphy did by quoting Ted Thompson. As if All right, that hold on, Jason. Now let Gabe finish. Is that, that, is that not exactly what Rodgers does? What you accused Murphy of doing, is that not exactly what Rodgers does? What do you mean? He blames the media for things that he said when it is resolved in a different way. Well, wait, what is no, let me ask you okay. this. So what has, what has he said that then he did not take ownership of or blamed us for misquoting him? Well, if he, in fact, comes back, isn't that, in fact, what he will do and say the media blew this out of proportion? So he, he may. has he may other also, people but, saying but his opinion without being held accountable for it, just as Murphy just used Ted Thompson to express his opinion clearly about Rodgers. Yeah, I'm asking I this as a question, not uh, yeah, as a statement. I, I, yeah, I understand the point you're making. And okay. look, again, this, uh, I, there are things that Rodgers does that I don't agree with either. Like, right. I, I do think, in fairness, 
to him, his job is not like I want him. I want him on the show. I want him on the record. I want him explaining exactly the things that frustrate him. So it's all out in the open. Frankly, this is like playing ping pong with someone and you just keep, or for you, you tennis, because you're such a fantastic tennis player or were, you just keep waiting for your opponent to make a mistake, right? Just keep going with the ground strokes and sooner or later mm-hmm. he's going to hit it into the net. Rogers has spoken once in yep. seven weeks, right? I mean, he's, he's, he, all he did was say what he did to Kenny Maine. That's all he said on the record. So he now has the ability to say, just like Brett Favre came on with Tausch and I and said he never asked for a trade, because I'm sure he never said, I want to be traded. I'm sure he had, you know, bus cook say it, or maybe I should just be traded. I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers never explicitly said to Mark Murphy, either you fire Goody or I'm never coming back. Now, do I think that he said, look, I can't come back as long as Goody's there, which has the same intent? Yes, I do. But if somebody comes to him and asks him, did you ever demand that Goody was fired? This is like Tausch and I arguing about the talk versus text thing. He leaves himself the ability to tell the truth without it being necessarily exhibiting the actual intent. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's totally fair. I want Gabe, ask whatever you want. I apologize. I said you would be next, and uh, so you guys talk as long as you want, and then I'll say next. But don't take it right now. It's just like old days. Yeah, don't say say next. (laughs) So I just feel that now with the column and this, Murphy's more a part of this than we realized before, right? Like the focus so much was on Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers in that relationship. But this week we also saw James Jones come out and say, no, it's not necessarily about the general manager. We've had Rodgers talk about the culture. And with the way that the organization, it all flows to Murphy. So is how much of it, how much of it is Murphy plus Gutekunst? Yeah, or is it more Murphy that, that, than Gutekunst? No, that's a, that's a good way to ask it, Gabe, because... You know, I, I don't. I don't want to speak for James Jones. I don't have any idea how much he's talked to Rogers. I don't know or texted with Rogers. Whatever you want to, whatever communication I use, I don't know. So I, I'm not going to try to speak for what he said. Um, I will say this: it is my belief that it is not like the more accurate way to describe it from my perspective is that it is not exclusively about the GM. I still think it's about the GM. Uh, I don't think his feelings for the GM have softened at all. I just think the point is, and that's why when I have been talking about this, I continually use the phrase, the front office. I don't say Brian Gutekun specifically, and that is an adjustment for me from what I was understanding earlier in this saga because it is, it is not simply about Goody. His frustrations go beyond Goody. But, again, I don't know. Like, my biggest question for Mark Murphy, I don't know when he's going to make himself available to us. I don't know how candid of a conversation we're going to have with him when that happens. But among the questions that I really want to ask him are, you, you came in here when you hired Goody and changed the structure essentially after you had said that the structure was going to stay the same, right? And Goody had to think about whether he wanted to accept the job or not. But you came here touting how you were going to tear down silos. 
And I know for a fact, Mark, that the, the coaching staff and the players felt like there were very much silos between the personnel department, the front office, the general manager, and the coaches, and between that group and the players. So how would you assess how effectively you knock down silos? Because I will say this. I talked to someone really high up the food chain last week, and they told me that the exchange of ideas and the communication between the coaching staff and the players, or the coaching, I'm sorry, the coaching staff and the, the scouting department, the personnel department, is as good as it's been since LaFleur took over. Okay, now that's in the last, what, two months? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers publicly criticizing the culture and how people are treated and everything else has actually started to affect some measure of change that the president who promised that he was going to knock down silos and didn't has the Aaron Rodgers situation actually resulted in those silos having at least some demolition done on them. And if so, is that a good thing? And does he deserve credit for that? I don't, I'm just, that I am asking the question because I know there are fans that are like, yeah, well, he's still not at work. And that makes me mad. And they're entitled to be mad about that. But has he at least started to affect some measure of meaningful change with how he's gone about this? I would say yes, based on what I was told. Jason, I thought it would be awesome. It has been awesome. We're late, but I want to give you the final word uh, in less than 60 seconds. The one thing above all that has occurred as a result of what Murphy said that you think is the most important 30 seconds. Go get him, Andy North. Shoot your age today. He's just teeing off. He just teed off, I believe. He was 10.55. That's awesome. Thanks, Jason. uh, All right, guys. Take care. Be good. The top? 7 at 11. I hope you have it. um, Don't worry. I got your back, big guy. We're at AmFam. We'll give you an update. I already put it on Twitter. The two-time U.S. Open champ is shooting 200 today. Book it. Next. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.